Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you hear the word snacking, what do you think? Many of us associate snacking with bad eating habits, packets of chips, lollies, full tummies before dinner. But psychologist and author Michael Cargreg doesn't think this way. He's co-authored a book with foodie Flip Shelton called Smart Snacks, 100 plus quick and nutritious recipes for surviving the school years. Hi, Michael. How are you? Very well. Thank you. How does a psychologist come to be involved in a book about healthy snacks? Well, increasingly, we are very concerned that young people uh, understand that there is a connection uh, between what they eat and their brain power, but also their mood. And over the last probably 10 years, there's been quite a revolution, really, particularly understanding the role of the gut biome, uh, that's the bacteria in your gut, and the impact that has on well-being. So when it comes to children, particularly little children, we want to get them involved in understanding that connection. And working with Flip's been a revelation because she's been able to put together these um, absolutely delicious, easy-to-make, healthy, um, smart snacks. And what I've done is I've written little comments on the side of the the page explaining to mums and dads and even to the young people uh, why the food is so good for them and what impact it's going to have on their brain. Now let's talk about snacking because what you were talking about there is the actual food we're putting in our mouths. Snacking historically has, we've been told, don't do it because it fills you up. Kids are eating bad food. Um, you've touched on, you know, not eating bad food and why good food is good for your brain. Um, what about the idea of eating small amounts of food in between the main meals of the day? Why choose to write a book about that and not, for example, here are some great brain foods for breakfast, lunch and dinner? Because by and large, what we're finding is that it's the meals between the main meals that are most problematic and are causing the problems. Big food has done such a good job of marketing that um, not just young people but also their parents have been buying essentially high-fat, high-sugar, highly-processed snacks and putting them in lunch boxes and putting them in the fridge and the kids are just helping themselves. So while... We've got some really good um, ideas about three new books, which would be Smart Breakfast, Smart Lunches, and Smart Dinners. Mm -hmm. Um, We thought we'd start with this between-the-meals behaviour and see if we could get that in. Parents are so time-poor at the moment. uh, They don't really have um, a lot of time. Uh, They get, I think, very frustrated over... um, even lunchboxes coming yes. home with those snacks in between, you know, the ones that they have at recess and um, in the afternoon. And um, the kids just not eating necessarily what their parents have prepared. So that's why we've chosen to focus on, on these snacks. And um, by all accounts, it's going down quite well. Yeah, well, they yeah. do have some pretty yummy um, recipes. I... I 
I have to ask how chocolate mousse ended up in there. <laughs> I was very excited when I saw it, but at the same time I thought, hmm, is that really, is that a good thing? Now, well, it's chocolate mousse prepared, of course, with the most delicious, healthy things. So, you know, who would know, for example, that you'd put avocado in um, chocolate mousse or the smoothies or the the chia raspberry smoothies, for example, or the apricot balls, the cashew balls. There are just so many things that um, Flip has put together. And then I've done the research on the food. For example, um, she uses for some of her recipes green banana flour. Now, most people probably never heard of green banana flour, but when you actually look at it, it's incredibly healthy. It's got so much potassium in it. Two tablespoons of this flour is the equivalent of the amount of potassium you get from seven bananas. So I just stumbled on all of these really amazing um, advantages of using the recipes that Flip's put in there. I mean, she's a very healthy eater herself. She's got a little boy. And in fact, the whole idea of the book um, came from uh, she was waiting outside a radio studio and I was talking about brain foods and um, she was coming in to be the next interviewee and she, I just waited for her uh, after she finished her interview and this is about 10 years ago and we came up with the idea for the book. Wow. Now, you've, you've talked about um, how there's more research being done into how bad nutrition can impact mood. What kind of impact does it have on a child's capacity to learn? Oh, this is the most important part. Um, what we know is the sole source of energy for a child's brain actually turns out to be glucose. So basically, having carbohydrates and good healthy carbohydrates is very important, particularly um, in between, particularly at recess, because we want them to continue to be able to learn. And there are classic foods that a lot of parents don't know about. For example, a brilliant memory food turns out to be eggs. So basically, eggs contain a micronutrient called choline. Choline is a building block for a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. And we know that when they do experiments on people and they inject them with um, a substance called scopolamine, which blocks all the receptors for acetylcholine, people's memory goes downhill. So there's clear evidence that eggs, for example, brilliant mind food for children. And we don't care how you prepare it. It just, the, 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 the whole point is eggs contain choline. On top of that, um, we make quite a bit of mention of yogurt, uh, as an ingredient. Now, yogurt contains um, an amino acid called tyrosine and tyrosine is a building block of not one but two neurotransmitters, uh, both of which get depleted under stress. So again, you know, when kids get tested or they have exams, you know, there's nothing like a, a nice pot of Greek yogurt perhaps with blueberries, which are also brilliant for the brain. So how do you how do you feel now about your knowledge with regards to food, Michael? Because I'm assuming before you started this book, perhaps it wasn't quite where it is now. 
I can tell you, I mean, I have um, five degrees um, from four different universities and in in my training, we received absolutely no information about this whatsoever. Um, it is only in the last 10 years, largely due to work of Professor Felice Jacker from Deakin University and her Food Moon Centre, um, that we've begun to understand this. I bumped into Felice probably... I say 15 years ago, and um, she and I gave a, a speech at two two different speeches at the same event. Wow! And I actually just listened to her, and I realised that she was onto something. And since that initial work that she did, and she published an article in the American Journal of Psychiatry back in 2010, since that work, I, everybody now accepts this whole new field of nutritional psychiatry. And the whole idea of that what you put in your mouth can and does affect not just your brain power, but also your mood. I think the interesting thing for me anyway, and I'm sure for a lot of parents who have a relatively good diet, is that it's not even on the level. Most people understand junk food is going to make you feel pretty awful anyway, but you're um, actually targeting specific foods to help with different brain function. The first thing I do now when I see children or adolescents who are clearly um, diagnosed with a major depressive disorder or any one of the more common anxieties like separation anxiety, um, generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety, what I will do, number one, is inquire about their diet because what I want to know is how much of that um, high... Uh, high sort of fat, high sugar, highly priced, processed food, do they, do they in fact eat? Because there are some children that I've come across who will literally have fast food every second uh, night of the week. And that's clearly not going to be good for them nutritionally, but also psychologically. Wow, it's so interesting. So much there. And of course, the book itself is a collection of uh, easy to make quick recipes for snacks. Michael, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was Michael Carr Gregg, psychologist and co author with Flip Shelton of Smart Snacks, 100 plus quick and nutritious recipes for surviving the school years. And we'll pop a link to it on our website. Just head to babyology.com.au forward slash feed play love. Breastfeeding can be challenging, it's not something that comes naturally to everyone. But on the next episode of Feed Play Love, lactation consultant and author Pinky McKay has some tips to smooth the path to success. Um, you know, I find a lot of women think they need a breast pump before they have their baby. I'd say wait until you've got your baby and see whether you actually need one. If you're keen for more tips on how to be ready for breastfeeding, listen to the next episode on Feed Play Love. This podcast is produced by Elise Cooper and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt.